it is time to tune up the band and you like jazz for it's another episode of the sweet chinwag podcast i am sam alongside dan and reardon as we continue our journey through the wacky world of professional wrestling i apologize chaps how are you doing <laughs> no no i understand i understand i couldn't think I of anything more creative i understand though oh dear oh dear i don't even know what to say really it kind of speaks for itself, honestly. <laughs> God. Oh, uh, how has it been for you two? It's been a, it's been a been a bit of a weird, slow week for me. How have you two been? I mean, it's been a slow week for me. Everything else, everything is normal. Don't look even remote bit closely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> been a bit of um i don't know it's been a bit of a slow week for wrestling there's been a lot of interest there has been a couple of interesting things that have happened in the world um i mean the shows wise they've been good which i guess is a which you know which i guess is a kind of a benefit for us so we don't have to be so negative or have to dunk so much on on the product when it's now being consistently yeah, good there's not, a, there's not a lot to dunk on <laughs> No, it's nice to know that both 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 major promotions are actually now putting out some good stuff, which is int- which is nice. It's interesting. We don't have to talk about it too much. <laughs> but before we get into that part, when we go over the weeks the weeks uh, wrestling, we give you this podcast thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and forever pending other platforms. You know, guys. Like smooth jazz, we go on forever and we make little to no sense if you don't know anything. But as well as that, we are always pending and always will be. And if the jazz community has problems with that, I think I can take all of you fuckers. Bring it. (laughs) So as Reardon goes to the nearest jazz bar to start a fight... (laughs) And before we get to our episode on the second week of Black History Month, all about jazz, it is time to visit Dan for this week's wrestling news. Dun, 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 dun. Down. Wrestling news. For a second, I honestly thought you were going to do a jazz solo there, uh, Reardon. It was, I was tempted. I was tempted. But we don't have 10 minutes. So <laughs> here you go. Here, here, here's... Here's one for all the jazz nerds out there that happen to also be listening to this. Da 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 wrestling news. There you go. There's your jazz joke. There you go. Um, yeah. Uh, going into the main stories for this week, um, I would argue the big one would be the CM Punk AEW situation, which, uh, which just is keeps now getting more and more basically. Yeah, basically, it's led to at this point, um, CM Punk, uh, as information currently states, and I'm going to say the word allegedly just to protect ourselves, um, involving his um, contract being bought out. Um, obviously, huge. Um, and obviously, you know, a lot of the question becomes, well, where do things go from here? What, what happens next? Um, and 
you know, it, it's really tough to say in regards to all this because ultimately it comes down to basically where on the wrestling spectrum you sit with stuff. Yes. So, you know, if if you're like me and you're kind of like stuck on either side, like it really benefits no one in the end. Mm-hmm. Or if, you know, you're more of the wrestling mind in which is, you know, you do your best to patch things over and just bring it back into the fold anyway. Or if you're on the side that just says, like, oh, yeah, we just want the elite, we don't care about CM Punk, you know, that's totally a valid position as well. Um, the, I've, but, uh, I'll say this in terms of the uh, wrestling discourse. Uh, neither side is right or wrong. As, and I'll reiterate that. Neither, neither side is right or wrong in this one. That's, if you ask me. That's, lit- that's literally my thing, though, because I'm literally there and people are like, oh, I can't believe CM Punk would do this. And I'm like, nah, but like, like he's entitled and within his rights to do so. Mm. But also, like, I completely understand the other's position about why they would be annoyed at him doing that. Yeah. No, no, no absolutely. It's... Man, Brawl Out has been such a weird time in professional wrestling, and we've experienced a lot of weird times. Um, even just in the span of this year, has been a very there's been a oh, number yeah. of hugely weird things that have happened. Um, I, I feel like this is this is just one in the in the many. Uh, when we talk, especially when we when we go and like retrospect and uh, look upon this year in a, in a couple months' time, how how truly mesmerizing and I guess we'll go down in the annals of history of how important this year was as well. I I, gen- yeah. I, gen- I genuinely think this this year's year retrospective might be the cursed most cursed one. Yes, done. <laughs> yeah, it was like twenty twenty was just bad yeah like it it was like like there was only like four or five good things to pick from Mm. 2021 was like oh my god everything's like returned to at least vaguely normal oh my god there's so much good stuff Mm. this year's just like hell it's it really like it like it's not like it's not even necessarily good or necessarily bad it's just like Kate, like Pandora's box just kind of opened. It's really true. Really, really true. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't really want to say. I mean, obviously, we can say after this as well. Um, Ace Steel has had his uh, has been released from his contract. Um, he was apparently under the impression that he would be returning to AEW in some role. <laughs> Dude, um, I mean, all I'll say so is when you bite someone, remain, <laughs> remains to. Remains to be seen on that front. When you bite an executive vice president on the forearm, I don't think you're going to get job security out of that. <laughs> Something tells me you won't get job security from yeah. that. It's the whole situation's really weird, and especially when you when you go into um, what people are saying about it. Um, I've always been at the stance that no one wins in this. Um, everyone is kind of really at fault for what had happened in that situation. Um, but what I will say is there are a lot of people as well that say, well, I just think this is all confirmation that CM Punk coming in it had what had a shit year in professional wrestling. And I beg to differ because I think no. for a year that he was there, 
he did have a pretty darn good year in AEW, if you ask me. No, he no, did produce like, some like, really good matches out of it. I say this in the most confusing way possible, but like, there's a genuine possibility that you could probably look at this and say it's arguably his best run. <laughs> I would, I would go, I would go out on, like, on a limb and say that as well. Tr- like truly, I, I genuinely think there's a completely valid choice in saying that this is the, his best run in professional wrestling, <laughs> but it's literally been destroyed by this same situation. It's quite strange. <laughs> yeah, just, a, just a tiny, tiny bit. But I guess that I mean, AEW. A lot of people have dunked on them since this. And I think a lot of people have really gone to... Because of this situation, they think that they are now the absolute worst. Um, If you ask me, a clear level-headed perspective and opinion on it is... Actually, in the face of a lot of it, they actually haven't done too bad. And if anything, they really have doubled down on the roster they had and worked with what they had. And it's generated still a very consistent viewership base the question will be will that now have an um i guess the question will be does it have a detrimental effect on attendance um because yeah. a very similar situation i'm not saying well not the brawl app but a similar situation happened with monday nitro back in the day when it was falling out of popularity viewership was still very was still very much the same it was just attendance at shows was the thing that was really being the sign that maybe they weren't as popular as they once were. So, I mean, we'll see in a couple of months time from what I've, from what attendance and the gate looks like, um, come full gear in the, and, and towards the end of the year for them. But honestly, from a wrestling perspective, from a creative perspective, I think they have done really well to keep, as consistent as they possibly can be now still problems there absolutely are still problems um i still don't understand why the women's division is as shoddy uh, as poor as it can well, be given 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 stuff that's been coming out i think we think we might have more insight as to why yeah um so for the, for those who haven't seen there's more that's kind of been coming out it's definitely drips and drabs and honestly this is all m- well, it's rumor, but it also comes from her discussing it. Um, but Thunder Rosa recently came out with some comments. Yes, regarding the the, kind of the, the backroom situation in regards to that, mm-hmm. um, and how kind of the the way things are weighted and the way things are kind of set aren't really working in many people's favor. It's true. I mean. When you really, when you really st- take a stock of what the women's division is like, um, it's poor, for lack of a better term. It it really is, and it yeah. could do so much better. And you've got so many, I I I mean, you've got so many incredibly talented people on that in in that women's roster, and you yet you only, um, I'll I'll put. Tony on the spot for this. You only still push two like people, five, five, two to five people, and that's not on. And you only give them about two minutes worth of screen time at best as well. It's not on, and you you should know better. You could you should know better. You sh- you 
you have to do better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Jamie Hayter is women's yeah, so champion. Like, obviously, yeah. <laughs> obviously, there's all that. But this is the thing I've been saying because because now we're in this like point of flux, right? With AEW, mm. do you think this is the time where they try and take a take a creative risk? I mean, this is the time where they should. At this point, I, mean, I think the like, best not, thing like not not like jump the shark. Oh no 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 no! no. I'm not having any finger pokes of doom or David Arquette as champion. I don't think they need to go that far. Take like take a creative risk. Honestly, that creative risk. Hear me out. Maybe making MJF the world champion. I think I think that's a valid pick. I think that's a valid pick. Go with it because at this point, right? Who have you had as world champion? We've had Chris Jericho. We've had John Moxley, Hangman Adam Page, or Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, CM Punk. Out of that group, good majority of them have already been established in the wrestling industry and of course within WWE. Go with someone, go with go just go with someone who is young. Very hungry, may I add, especially if you uh, saw that uh, promo, amazing promo he had with William Regal at this week's Dynamite. Truly a Mm. thing of beauty, that one was. Go with it. Honestly, I mean, I I mean, with Max, uh, with Max, he does. uh, We've talked about it in the past. Sometimes he can go a little bit too close to the knuckle, I felt, with promos. Um, Yeah. I think he's gotten himself out of that though. I feel like ever since he kind of got away from the Jericho rivalry, he's gone yeah. back to what he can do well. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say it, the stink being, of Jericho really affected MJF. <laughs> I, I, I go for it. You know what? What's the what is at this point? Um, the like the, the risk. I think everybody wants to, at this point, a lot of people, not everybody, a lot of people want to see him as champion. He is a very consistent performer. Um, he's been doing some great work as well on the mic. I'm glad to see that he's got he's doing some great work. I feel like he's improved leaps and bounds ever since coming into the company in 2019 in his promo work. This yeah. past couple of months since he's come back have been genuinely been really good. Like, really good. Um I still think, though, with all this being said, he'd still hate my living guts because that's just who MJF is. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. So I, I don't want to talk about it too much because I just don't want to be, I don't want to be chewed out by my, by Max. No, no, but I think, I think it's, I think it, it's definitely, um, it's definitely a pick, and especially as WWE are pushing kind of more creatively, um, I don't know how necessarily people feel about this um <laughs> run, with, run with me on this um i've been calling triple h the cool stepdad oh no absolutely I, I, yeah yeah no, no, that absolutely is what it is like he's he's like the one that was like you know like you have uh, this is so bad when i try and describe the situation but he's there it's like Hey, look! I know your mom don't let you swear, but you can do it around me. Hey, hey! Look at look at look at what look at what you can do with me that you can't do anywhere else. Okay, Here's just the keep he- it a secret, though. He's the heavy metal stepdad, isn't he? 
Yeah. Absolutely. No, absolutely. That that getting that Bray Wyatt returning is absolutely getting a brand new remote control car. Literally. <laughs> Bray's doing so, may I to say, I, like on regards to that. Bray's doing some good work. I'm interested to see what he can do. All I will say is WWE, there is only one Howdy, and it is our dear friend Howdy Price. Correct. Um I will say, um, of the few things I have watched this week, I did see the most recent Bray Wyatt promo and the line, I believe it's, um, um, I tried to let you go, but I realized that I couldn't. And I'm thankful for that is fucking cold. Yeah. That's fucking ice in the veins. Um, but like it, it, it's very like, I, I don't I feel so bad saying this because I really like Bray Wyatt, <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it, it feel, it feels like the, Hey, I know you weren't allowed that. I know you like. I know you weren't allowed to play GTA before, so I bought it for you. Just keep like keep it on the down low. <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, here's what you didn't have before, so I'm gonna give you it." And I feel like that's being like sold as like creative genius. I feel that is kind of the impetus for a lot of Triple H's rehires since he's had control of the creative book. No, if you know what I mean. Ultimately, ultimately, since he's gotten the book back, he's basically just been like, "Okay, right, let me just get all the people that I like," and I fully endorse that attitude. <laughs> because to be fair, he was running a very successful product with it, and yeah. he had a very good sense to who was being who was becoming very popular. Exactly, exactly. Right? It's the reason why. I have, like, I have no, I have no problem with him doing that. Way where people are like. Oh my god, it's this person. Weren't they in NXT before? They got released. He's brought them back. And I'm like, yeah, because he wants them. Like <laughs> he didn't want to release yeah. them in the first place. <laughs> he never wanted them to be released in the first place. It's just that he made them popular and then they got moved up to main roster where they just got lost in the shuffle, right? <laughs> this was never this was never Triple H's grand vision. <laughs> but I but I feel like that the, the the thing of that happening. And him being like, okay, well, I'm going to get Bray Wyatt back and I'm going to let him do an elaborate lore-based storyline. And people are like, oh my god, this is such great booking. And it's like, no, that's just, that's what would have happened anyway. Exactly, exactly. I think with along with him and the acquisition of yeah. Rob Fee now as the, as the director of long-term creative, I just feel like Bray Wyatt is now being able to fully commit to what he does but i feel yeah like like they're, they're actually giving him the time and investment to do what he wanted to do yes and all thanks to papa like, h half, rather than any like half-assed It'll... thing that, that, that would have led up that would have led us up to demon finn balor versus sister abigail Ex oh gosh don't remind me of that pumpkin finn <laughs> the pumpkin king <laughs> speaking God. speaking of all of this um and and of course with with triple h and the new and the new creatives at hand it sounds like they're going to really um gut and lighten the load when it comes to pay-per-views sorry premium live events because it yeah. sounds like they're now going to be doing eight to nine if rumors are to be correct looks like from 2023 they're going to be doing eight to nine pay-per-views around that number one of them will be a uk pay-per-view yearly which is exciting actually and also i feel like wembley are probably kicking themselves when they saw how successful clash at the castle was because <laughs> yeah. remember if you haven't heard wembley lowballed an offer from the wwe to host it there 
Come on, guys. Seriously. <laughs> Hence why it was uh, the principality. But um... no, no one in that, no one in that boardroom remembered remembered SummerSlam. That's all I'm gonna say. Exactly. No, hell, hell, hell. Where was the where was the assistant looking up the numbers to that? Exactly. Come on. I'm actually, you know what? Actually, the more I think about it, the more annoyed I get. <laughs> who? Who? <laughs> Who was doing the research on that? The FA. Come probably. on. <laughs> yeah, probably. What What are you doing, man? But um, over, but it sounds as well as they're going to be bringing back old pay-per-views as well. Most notably, Triple H may be bringing back King of the Ring as a pay-per-view, which I'm excited for because the King of the Ring pay-per-views quite underrated but they have brought out some really good matches in the past and tournaments actually in the past i just feel like in general it can just be a good thing to have because you know you could then link back to the whole thing of like you win king of the ring and then get like a title match at SummerSlam. exactly i mean it look what it did for brock lesnar in his debut year it did wonders and also though right ultimately if they're talking about lightening the load of pay-per-views that's really good because how many pay-per-views in like the last 20 years of wwe have just been completely inconsequential oh, god i mean as i said do, do we need to re- do we need to remind ourselves of bragging rights we did a whole pay-per-view retrospect like no but review like, on but it like like even but even <laughs> even just like the the habit and the cycle yeah exactly where, like, you know like payback battleground <laughs> ultimately just completely inconsequential pay-per-views that were just there to fill space and because they're like well we need a pay-per-view at the end of the month i mean especially the past couple of God, years when when, when we there's been 2020 and 2021 yeah when they when they had no build-up to any matches and probably would be like well, summer matches they had they had were being... they had no build-up yeah most of them had no title changes <laughs> so to have here that just to hear that they're just lightening the load just sounds sounds better for everything from a creative yeah, standpoint yeah. to a fan standpoint. It just sounds like like they've got a much more laser focus on what to do, how to follow them up, how to progress stories, how to progress the weekly show here, there, and everywhere. All in all, makes me happy to know that they are that they are going to do that. Also makes me happy that they are actually probably thinking, yeah, you know what? We should do a yearly show in the UK. Yeah, because you see what the actual effect of it is. <laughs> and again, as we said for many years, WWE has absolutely neglected its worldwide audience. <laughs> it'll be interesting, all of this talk, it'll be interesting to see how Triple H does in 2023. Like... Does he still do this, go this way, or is this all just first part of a much grander plan? Yeah, that's an interesting point. Like, is this just one little one little piece of the puzzle of what he really wants to do with with WWE as, as a whole? Because it's like, it, we, I think it's been over a hundred days now. I wouldn't have thought he would have like thrown everything right away. Um, but it'll be interesting if there's surprise returns in 2023 because <laughs> i feel that it might it it might lose its luster very quickly if he keeps doing that <laughs> yeah that is true 
but but yeah, it's interesting to see. I mean, did you also hear a rumor as well this week that uh, that GCW apparently are working with WWE? No, I didn't hear that. No, that is Janella ribbing. I'm I hope sorry. it is Joey ribbing. Honestly, I mean, because at I, this I just point, I don't understand in what. Because like I know obviously people said like oh well there's AEW stopping wrestlers from working GCW shows, but like <laughs> I just don't I just don't make sense of it. Obviously I know like Triple H has tried to make hires from GCW. Mm-hmm. Um, was Blake Christian, Carmelo Hayes, yeah, or previously Christian Casanova. Um and Anthony Henry, I guess. Yes. Like... So he does have a track record with Brett. <laughs> but like, no, I feel not... that is kind of like Joey just you know ribbing for the sake of. I think it comes as it stems a lot from the whole situation involving Carl Anderson between New Japan uh, with like with New Japan and the WWE. That's a whole different, yeah. like a whole different kettle of fish that I won't really go into because it's like, well, one side is saying this, the other side is saying this, and you don't know what is happening. Either way, Carl Anderson has been booked for Saudi Arabia the same day he is supposed to defend the Never Open Weight Championship against uh, Hikaleo. In a dream world, Hikaleo would be in Saudi Arabia, beat the living crap out of Carl Anderson, take the championship and walk out. But unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> it's not, but it's not even a match. It's actually just shoot. It's just, just shoot. Um, so it looks, it very much looks like that um, they're going to just probably strip him of the title. Which is the which yeah. is the common thing that they have done? Uh, they have set a precedent with some. If you can't defend the championship at a certain day, they will strip you of the title. Um, so, so we will see what happens in that regard. But that is in, that one intrigues and confuses the heck out of me. Again, as I said, like ending like ending my thoughts on it. Again, it, it'll be um, twenty twenty three for the WWE is going to be. A very interesting time because everything's been set in motion. Now it's to see what they do. Yeah, it's pretty much about like seeing what the what the end result is. It'll be interesting. That's for darn sure. I wonder what is t- uh sorry what is um Nick Khan's end game as well as now as co CEO of the company. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> but are we is with that are we done with the news dan mm-hmm. awesome we have a recommendation corner this week but i believe this week it is over to dan yes it is uh, i do have a recommendation corner this week and to emulate my lovely friend Rin here so guys how do you feel about metal bands that are made up of japanese women made dresses I think it's one of mankind's greatest achievements. I concur. Well, then you are in luck, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because 
uh, after the last announcement that we got, which was that uh, Big Metal would be going on informal hiatus, they have announced uh, a new album being released, which is a new concept album with a new sing- with a new single being released called Divine In- uh, Divine Attack Shingeki. Um, it is absolutely fantastic and is honestly up there with some of the best modern metal out there right now. And if maybe modern metal isn't your exact thing there is also the new album by bandmade which is also absolutely awesome as well so please do check them out sounds good sounds oh, good also but if if i'm going to put a mini recommendation to anyone who has heard the the recent news this week about um about konami actually remembering that they have a horror ip i would highly recommend everyone to check the enhanced edition of Silent Hill 2 rather than the remake. I say that because I feel the enhanced edition which you can find online on on, on PC is a a much better remaster than the HD version that they that they made back in 2012. But also I feel like, you know, support the original devs. I'm not saying that to dunk on the 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 second remake if it will be bad. I'm just concerned with who's involved with the remake it's being developed by get a pachinko machine and you will like it (laughs) exactly it's being developed by the same team that developed layers of fear which i wasn't a big particular fan of but they also like they also made observer which was actually not a bad game at all if you ask me but i'm concerned because they don't have a great track record either way check out the Sun hill 2 enhanced edition pretty darn good game in the it's the original as as it should be. Anyway, with all that being said, gentlemen, it is time to talk about our uh, do our retrospective on jazz. Fellas, what are your fondest memories of jazz? That's a very interesting question. If you want me to start, all I'll say... I feel bad because I seriously, at, a t- at that time, seriously underestimated just how good she was as a professional wrestler. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, I regret that a lot because she has proven time and again that she was absolutely incredible, especially in a time where she pro- where she had Everything against her, no thanks to the creative brief of of who Vince and Johnny Ace wanted in a female wrestler. But because she's went she went through that and still managed to actually have a pretty darn good career there with a couple of women's title runs. Mm-hmm. That's my thoughts on it. I I I I, I kick myself to not like that I should that I should have appreciated jazz more at the time. Yeah, no, definitely. I I I definitely um acknowledge that part because Yeah. Definitely, yes. It's a real with jazz history, it's a real like it it came, it went, and then it was like the universe said, "Hey, did you see jazz?" I mean, not really. Well, too bad because you're not going to see one like her for the next oh, 15 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely the... Because, yeah, if I'm thinking back to, like, when I first 
started seeing jazz. I probably would have said it would have been the 2003 run. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it, it's it's kind of that thing of, again, I think there's a lot of talents from this time making the best out of a bad situation and genuinely just kind of coming just too, just slightly too early. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so, shall we go from the start, as we always like to do with these retrospectives, fellas? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Born Charlene Denise Moore in August of 1973, Jazz was born in New Orleans, Louisiana. Kind of makes sense now, doesn't it, Rick? <laughs> for the name. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> you know, when you say it like that... <laughs> <sighs> Come on, it makes the perfect set. I mean, originally billed as it... Jasmine, with two Zs, may I add. <laughs> yeah, but I, I understand that, though. It makes sense, but also, <laughs> fuck everyone. <laughs> so not much, I, I couldn't grab much from her early life, but she did attend college, but would drop out after her, I think, first year, after being um, approached um about starting a career as a professional wrestler and joined a wrestling school in her local town in louisiana she originally says that she uh, was originally inspired to become a professional wrestler when she saw jacqueline on tv on wwf tv you know what fair play because jacqueline was again another woman who was vastly and grossly underrated during her time oh yeah that is another episode that we definitely have to do, a retrospective. That's yes. on Jacqueline. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. So after that, after seeing and watching Jacqueline do her thing, Jazz went to a wrestling school, trained uh, with head trainer Rod Price. During her time, she would also, if memory serves me correct, be trained by the Red Dog and the Junkyard Dog. Good yeah, old they're, JYD. They're that tracks. But on. she only trained for about six to eight months making her professional wrestling debut, funny enough, against Jacqueline. Funny ah. how the line works, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. So she would end up training one of her first recorded matches as of, uh, well, as of the great internet wrestling database known as Cage Match, would see her re- wrestle for BBOW in Texas. Build as Jasmine, she would go up against Gracia in a DQ loss. Second match, though, the next day, she would actually win the BBOW Women's Championship against Gracia. So, yeah. you know, there you go. <laughs> but sooner or later, in 1999, she would make her official debut for a little-known company in Philadelphia called Extreme Championship Wrestling. Oh, yeah, she did. Using her name, Jasmine, she would join and be part of the alliance of the Impact Players, which included, of course, the team of Lance Storm and Justin Credible. However, with a, also with another member called Jason Knight, she would then, her first rivalry, actually, in ECW, would be against said Jason Knight, in a feud that would lead all the way up to ECW's pay-per-view, Heatwave 1999. Now, let me just say, all ECW events leading up to Heatwave, Jazz defeated Jason Knight in quite convincing fashion. 
What based booking? Mm. And this would become quite actually the basis of Jazz's booking. Paul Heyman put her up against male, mostly male competitors during her time in ECW. One of the most yeah. notable moments was when Jazz defeated Steve Carino at a hardcore TV taping yeah. in Ohio. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm so, telling you, like it, it's insane how much ECW was ahead of the curve. Like oh, for yeah. the wrong reasons, but <laughs> ahead of the curve still. <laughs> she would end up eventually having tag teams with no uh, with Nova teaming up with Chris Chetty, Francine a couple of times, but most of the kind of like the consistent basis was that Jazz would be going up against males, people like uh, Kid Cash. Uh, Simon Diamond, Steve Carino a couple of times. Mostly the main rivalry, though, was against Jason Knight. One particular <laughs> highlight is that Jazz ended up making her debut for FMW at FMW's 10th anniversary show at the Yokohama Arena, where she teamed up with Malia Hosaka and Miss Mongol in a defeating effort against, against Emi Motokawa and Kaori Nakayama. Yes, I love the fact that Jazz was competed for FMW. Just, just so people know here, uh, Emi Motokawa is now currently known as Emi Sakura. Yes. <laughs> of of Gato Move and AEW notoriety. Yes, I just love that so much, <laughs> so much. Jazz would eventually end up striking up a right, uh, sorry, not a rivalry, a friendship, and would become manager slash valet. For two cold Scorpio, which honestly, perfect fitting them two. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, if anyone remembers, two cold Scorpio when he came back in two thousand had a hell of a match against Mike Awesome, mm -hmm. which Jazz was there as manager and interfered a couple of times. Eventually, though, J J Jazz would only have a kind of a short stint in ECW, lasting all the way until, uh, um. The September yeah, of two thousand. It's because ECW suffered something which I like to call sudden collapse condition. Yes, of course, this financial strain meant that a lot, and I mean a lot of people, uh, eventually would just leave ECW, including Paul Heyman himself. <laughs> wow! Trust no one, not even yourself, right? Remember, if you don't work for the company anymore, you don't have to pay them. Wow. Okay, that's one way to do it, I suppose. Jazz, after that, would begin making subsequent little appearances for PCW. And even... Uh, God, I can't believe I, get to, I, I have to bring this company up. Women's Extreme Wrestling. Yes! Oh, God. oh no. Dang it. Um... Basically, oh, it's so her bad. One, Jazz's one and only match, if you can believe this or not, was a Flaming Tables match where she defeated uh, Wildfire in the event yeah, but... titled Women's Extreme Wrestling Evolution of the Erotic Extreme. Let me I just yeah, add... We're, we're, um, we're talking about this 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 company, though. Yes, like... was run... If memory serves me correct, WEW was run by a production company predominantly making adult films, if memory serves me correct. Yeah. Ah, there it is. There it is. So, so imagine basically a, uh adult entertainment company uh, <laughs> tried to produce wrestling 
Uh, I believe they still use the ECW arena. Yeah, they did it, use the ECW arena at this time, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it is like this weird, confusing intersection of stuff <laughs> because it just exists. Yes. And you're there and you're like, this definitely shouldn't. <laughs> and yet. So it was late in 2001 that the WWF would express interest in jazz and uh she later signed to a developmental deal and was sent to ohio valley wrestling fun little fact jazz is one of jazz's very first matches was against charmel yes ah, booker t's wife charmel who was also uh in developmental at this time after wait, 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 her but, stint but, but... as nitro girl storm in wcw <laughs> Actually, this is something the thought. Like, but Charmel isn't like she didn't wrestle that much, right? Am I am I wrong there? Uh, no, she didn't wrestle quite a lot. But she ended up well, as I said, she went she went to developmental after WCW was bought out and sent there to kind of train to become a professional wrestler. Right. Okay. Very strange. Very strange how that come how that came to be. <laughs> But yeah. soon after that, with the invasion angle still very going, like very strong and still going, Jazz was called up to the main roster. Uh, when making a couple of house show appearances uh, in um, losing efforts to Lita, she would end up having her very first televised match at Survivor Series <laughs> in a six-pack challenge match for the WWF yes. Women's Championship. Uh, Trish Stratus versus Ivory, Jacqueline, Jazz, Lita, and Mighty Molly. Trish Stratus, of course, picks up the victory for that match. Yeah, she did. (laughs) I mean, hell yeah, though. Exactly. That's a good... On on Survivor Series. Yeah, okay, it's a packed challenge in the middle of 2001, but... (laughs) Go on. Soon yeah. after that, though, Jazz wouldn't make many appearances on TV. She would only, she would be on the house show circuit mostly, teaming up and having match. I say ma- teaming up, being paired with Lita and Jacqueline, kind of a little bit more um, warming up and kind of you know getting her legs and making sure that she was ready for television. And ma- eventually coming back in 2002 and beginning her first rivalry with then women's champion Tris Stratus. On the January 14th, 2002 episode of Raw, as a matter of fact, she would make her Raw debut and attack Trish. But she was she quickly received a push as she defeated Jacqueline in quick, quick fashion to become number one t- uh, contender for the Women's Championship. In the Royal Rumble 2002, she was unsuccessful for that t- capturing the title. However, on the February 4th episode of Raw, Jazz would end up defeating Stratus to win the Women's Championship, for the first time. Now, it's quite telling at that time just how quickly Jazz went up from the developmental um, path to then just quickly being thrusted in to the main roster and eventually winning the Women's Championship. I think it speaks a lot of just how talented Jazz is. Mm. Definitely. And they definitely... I think in terms of a... What a powerhouse competitor. There had been none quite like Jazz. I would say, if you really want to go that far, well, China, you could say to a certain degree, but the way they, 
Well, China was the in the like competing for the Intercontinental room. Championship, of course. So it kind of yeah, it's a kind of so a we weird thing. Never really got to that point again. Yes, which is mm. but obviously they went on their whole thing, and then they basically spun a whole narrative about it, which is still regurgitated by people today. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it really is a shame because obviously, like I said, like big powerhouse competitor always has a place in the women's division, assuming it can be done right. Yes. Um, but yeah, I. It's hard. It's it always feels hard to say. Yeah, because I think yeah. it speaks to the the level of where the women were at that time. Obviously, in the grand scale of things, you know, we can say whether or not one thing's further to one side or the other. Yeah, mm. but you know, the level I would say the level was still high, and you know, some people some people just have that talent. Exactly. Exactly, it's a very, it's a very hard thing. Well, at that time, especially, I think it was a very hard thing to come by. Um, but Jazz just excelled. Like I think she, I think there was a. I mean, with most people, I think yeah, to be thrusted that fast, I think a lot of people would feel immense pressure. But it always just felt like Jazz just was determined and just wanted it. Even then, because I was, I went yeah. back and watched a couple of these matches. The one especially coming up right now. Uh, she would eventually make her WrestleMania debut at WrestleMania 18, successfully defending her title mm-hmm. against Lita and Trish Stratus in a triple threat match. Now, granted, this was way up in the card, and a lot of people would, um, well, unfortunately at this time, people would consider this the toilet break match. But considering they only had six minutes, and considering it was in Toronto as well, which was Trish's hometown, they, I, I honestly, I actually... These three, you talk about three really good competitors in in WWE uh, women's uh, in the oh, women's yeah. division history. It's not a bad match, honestly. That's the yeah. thing. It's like like they'll you'll be there and be like, oh, you know, they only get six minutes, but it's like well, that's that's all they were gonna get. It's not voted great, yeah. and to be it's... quite honest, right. It's the penultimate match, and it went on right after Rock and Hogan. So the crowd is just not into it because remember they had just expended See, all of their energy. It was, it yeah. was always, it was always gonna be hostile. Mm. Yeah, it's a really weird thing with Jazz at this time because like pushing Jazz, uh, just pushing Jazz, a black woman like this, yeah. going up against Lita and Trish Stratus is shockingly progressive (laughs) but also like to to like to a point like wait 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 what (laughs) like that it almost sounds fake yeah but also when you actually look at it in the broader context you see like that it's gonna sound mean but like the um the well of talent in women's in wwe wwf women's wrestling at the time yeah and still the actual culture of it it kind of unfortunately balances out, if that makes sense. I, yeah, it does it, make it, sense. Yeah, because like, this, I think, this is one of those things that, like, you know, when we have when we have to talk about things like this, you have to look at the perspective of things and see, like you kind of said, like seeing a black woman being pushed so prominently, um, especially in the context of 
this time frame with like Lita and Trish and Victoria. Yes. Mm. But like you said, like it is kind of strangely progressive <laughs> in a way. But you always have to contend with the thing of this time and it being like, look, women's matches are getting, you know, eight to ten minutes at most. Yeah. yeah. So, so much of it comes down to we just have to fit in what you can in that time. Mm. And it's a shame because you feel like you could have seen so much more. Yeah. Yeah. That you never got to. And it sucks. For, for lack of a better term, that they yeah, like, so much. they weren't really. I, I feel I, it's why I kind of applaud Dave Finley in this respect because Dave uh, Finley was given um, the job of producing women's matches. The only the 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 the, the only thing that uh, that hamstrung not only Dave but the women is that they weren't given time at all to have really kind of like a really well thought out match. So Dave was like, you know what? We're given this time. I am just going to produce these matches for them that are just hard hitting. Mem- I get a lot of big impact moves in, and you, you, with that time, you make as much of an impression on the fan base as you can. And for that, and for that reason, I feel like Finley's an unsung hero for the women's division at this time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is one of those things that I always said because. Um... And I maintain my position on this. Yeah, Jazz is power bomb though. Yes, yes. Was Let it? me lay it up. Let me lay it up real quick. Jazz's power bomb is fucking sweet. <laughs> so good. So so good. So fun fact: Jazz was the last holder of the WWF Women's Championship. Yes. And she ah. would become the first person to hold it as the WWE Women's Championship. Funnily enough, in an April 29th episode of Raw, Jazz would challenge Bubba Ray Dudley for the Hardcore Championship. Although didn't win, she would actually end up helping Stevie Richards, of all people, capture the title. <laughs> yeah, but like, you know what? Um, again, I, I, I quite like it because, again, they would have, I guess, no they, no, they wouldn't have crossed paths in ECW, would they? No, they wouldn't have. But this started almost kind of like a friendly... I'll help you if you help me sort of situation where Stevie would interfere in Jazz's matches and Jazz, vice versa, would help Stevie with uh, with his uh, attempts to win the Hardcore Championship and retain it. Uh, it's a weird, weird situation here. I mean, a weird little time for Raw at this time. It was gearing up, though, on an episode of Raw that Jazz would defend her title against Trish Stratus in a Hardcore Rules match. Unfortunately... The plan was that she would actually defend and retain her title, but during the match, she tore her ACL in her knee, and thus an audible had to be called during the ti- uh, during the match, and Triss would end up take, uh, taking the win, um, as she <laughs> as she would end up winning, uh, and Trish would win her, um, I want to say it was third or fourth women's championship, and after the match, she was attacked by Trish and Bubba Ray Dudley and did and performed an super power bomb through a table to Jazz. Uh, Jazz oh, would, yeah. would be then written out to, of course, have surgery on her knee and would come back. She sells it so well, by the way. Yes. I saw the clip. She sells it so devastating. Like she, she literally folds herself yeah. like origami for it. It's great. 
It's so good. Why? It is so good. I sound so bad when I say that there's a there's a specific subsection of Dudley spots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know what it is, but when because Bob Ray had that weird stint where he was like, my entire gimmick now is I will power bomb women through tables. Yes. Oh god. Yeah. That. But like, but like yeah. they weirdly perfected the art of doing a power bomb through a table, and then decided, hey, you know what? We can do this from the top rope. <laughs> Yep. Do you know what I think it is? I think it's like they see. I think it's almost like they do it because all the women is like, "Yo, when am I gonna next get a chance to go through a table? I'm better <laughs> sell this right and sell it right." They do. <laughs> Just the, 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 like you said, the way she sells it, she folds herself like an accordion. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So that would mean that, of course, that writes Jazz out, but she would make her return in January of 2003 on an episode of Raw attacking Trish after a Chicago street fight for Victoria's Women's Championship. So she would then insert herself into the rivalry that was going on at that time between Trish and Victoria, which would lead to a triple threat match at WrestleMania 19. The champion Victoria going up against Jazz and Trish Stratus. I fondly remember this match. It's quite an underrated match, if you ask me, at WrestleMania 19. Um, yes. If only for these three, uh, three women were on top form this night. And they, like, oh, all yeah. three of them did, like, really, really well in this match. Um, I think one of my favourite spots in this match is when Jazz has Trish in the, well, what she would call the bitch clamp. Which was like the tiger suplex hold and lifting them up in the air. I forgot about that. I Which then would become thing. adopted by Beth Phoenix and turned into the Glam Slam. But yes, excuse that was called me, the I'll Bitch Clam. Excuse me, I'll have you know that that move is called the Fuckbuster and the Fuckbuster only. <laughs> <laughs> For reference, John Moxley used to do it and he called it the Fuckbuster. <laughs> he did indeed call it the Fuckbuster. As you do. Quite possibly the greatest wrestling move name. Of course, in that match, though, it would be uh, Trish Stratus that would come away with the win. And again, again, a solid match that is, I think it was seven minutes long, but it did get rated a lot better than their match uh, at WrestleMania 18. So, you know, true. It's proof that she did really well in that match. Though at Backlash 2003, Jazz would get, capture her second women's championship. It was also at this time, though, that she took on the managerial services of one Theodore Long. <laughs> holler at holler, your player. Holler, holler, holler. <laughs> she would then go on to have successful defense at Judgment Day in a quite underrated fatal four-way match involving Stratus, Victoria, and Jacqueline. Though, though, on the June 30th episode of Raw, she would lose her title in a women's battle royale with the newly debuted Gail Kim. Now, the idea of Jazz and Gail Kim wrestling is just like, at, at this period of time, like you're looking at maybe two of the best options you've got. It's just a shame that Gail Kim was done absolutely dirty by WWE. Abso- uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If, if, if we think of Gail Kim, we immediately, I feel like, 
her TNA run is the stuff of legend. Like, like no, like no lie. T- TNA period. Gail Kim versus Awesome Kong. Like that, that, that just straight hits. Like yeah. it's not even a debate. It just hits. Without question. It's during this time as well that Theodore Long also would take on the um uh the wrestler Rodney Mack. And that would, of course, mean that they that they ended up becoming um, oh, Jazz and Rodney Mack would end up becoming an item, and eventually they would end up getting married, and they are married still married to this day, which is really nice to hear. You reckon they were married by Teddy Long? <laughs> oh my god, that would be oh, amazing! I I I I hope. I hope so much. If not that, that Teddy Long at least did a speech. Can you imagine? I would love to see that. Unfortunately, actually, during that match, I forgot to say, during that battle royale, Jazz would end up dislocating her shoulder, would need several weeks of rehab. And it was after that she would end up becoming a bit more of a manager for Rodney Mack. And seeing that the writing was on the wall and, of course, uh, the whole line of creative have nothing for you, which is insane when you think about just how good of a two-year run that Jazz had with the Women's Championship. Think about what was happening in women's women's wrestling WWE-wise at this time. So what we're looking at the time period of what, like... This was the time when Trish... I hate to say it. Trish had a bit of a stranglehold over the Women's Championship. Because there was no one except yeah, Trish was that like, ha- was holding the title. And Trish actually mm. was injured at this time. And of course, their ruling uh, officially is that if you can't compete for over, for over 30 days, you are stripped of the title. Thing is, Trish was injured for over 30 days, but still maintained the championship. <laughs> Yeah, but we've already said bef- we've already said before when it comes to actual rules consistency, like no, <laughs> yeah, that's none of that. Like, WWE just like never actually properly does it. There's no consistency to anything. But like, it's just I don't know. It's just weird because it's I mean, obviously you know we have to think about it in the context, mm-hmm. like the fact that the concept of multiple women's storylines happening was like definitely not a thing yes <laughs> but um i don't know it's just like i don't i'm always amazed by this concept of creative has nothing for you mm-hmm. mm. especially when the champion's injured exactly yeah because like you know if we're talking about what we what we've got here i i'm fairly sure victoria's still there by this point yes um, Molly Holly is still here at this point. Gail Kim. Like, I just don't know how you can be able to say, well, we've got nothing for you. I <laughs> Far be it from me to maybe simplify the wrestling booking process, but, like, is it just too much to just be like, well, champion's injured. Let's just get a bunch of people together and just figure something out. Yeah. Nuts, and anyway, if we're, if we're there and we're saying about she's injured, Okay, well, we've kind of broached this ground before, and yes, I know it comes down to WWE not wanting to do women, not wanting to do intergender wrestling because of an agenda that they've promoted, but isn't actually true. But right, mm-hmm. it's yeah. Like, I... why not just take the chance? Ah, 
Didn't they have to like push Jazz to be world champion? Yeah. It's like it's, it's not. I mean, to give you a little bit of perspective, some of uh, Jazz's uh, final matches. Her last pay per view would have been at Taboo Tuesday 2004 in the World Women's Title Schoolgirls Battle Royale. Yes. Her last match would actually be on a Sunday Night Heat taping, teaming up with Molly Holly to defeat Nydia and Victoria. Well, I think that last one kind of tells you all you need to kind of know about, I guess, Vince and Johnny Ace's view on women's wrestling. I mean, we already know about Johnny Ace. Yeah. And his view on women's wrestling, which is clearly the... You know where Johnny A Johnny A should have been in women's extreme wrestling. He would have loved that. Yeah, that's uh, his product. Uh, oh God, it's sad but true. Though uh, <laughs> <laughs> so after that, Jazz would request and be granted her release from WWE alongside uh, uh, Rodney Mack in November due to the creative department's lack of ideas for her character, and she would she would apply the independent circuit throughout 2005 and 2006. She would appear, funnily enough, have one of her first notable appearances would actually be for IWA Japan, taking a part in their okay. kind of series at the Korokuen Hall. <laughs> she would end up having a match at NWA Cyberspace against April Hunter for the NWA Cyberspace Women's Championship. Of course. She would end up teaming with Rodney Mack in one event against Mark Jindrak, Jackie Gader, of all people. She would once this go back why, for a couple this of... This why I love 2005, like, yeah. to, like 2003 to 2008 pro wrestling in the <laughs> yes. independent circuit is the most cursed place. She would end up having a match, a notable match against Ivory for a promotion called AWE in Virginia. She would end up having a couple of spots in WEW as well. Uh, one of them being an event called the Nude Locker Room Mayhem. Of course. Okay, of course. She would win the WEW world title, funnily enough. Nice. As well. Before being called up. Oh, she in 2005, I should say, another notable part was she was part of Shane Douglas's Hardcore Homecoming as well. Oh my god. Which was the unofficial... ECW reunion show that took place on the same weekend as ECW One Night Stand in 2005. Yeah, I don't know that thing. That was a pile of shit. Although in 2006, after the second ECW One Night Stand was announced, Jazz would be quietly re-signed to WWE for what was, well, all I'll say is a bit of a cup of coffee. She would make yeah, her it one... Did, it was when they did the... Um... Mm. They did like WWE versus ECW alumni, and they picked like the most random people for ECW. Yes. Yeah. Jazz would make one and only one TV appearance in her brief return in a losing effort to Mickey James in that WWE versus ECW show, losing in like... two minutes to Mickey James. Good. No, okay, but like, look at look at the look at this card. Look at let me read through this card for you. Okay, first <laughs> off, Rob Van Dam versus Rey Mysterio. Okay, awesome. Uh, Mickey James defeats Jazz in two minutes. 
The Big Show, representing ECW, wins a battle royale by eliminating Randy Orton. (laughs) (laughs) Edge, with Lita and Mick Foley, defeats Tommy Tommy Dreamer, um, accompanied by Terry Funk, (laughs) in six minutes in an Extreme Rules match. You damn son of a bitch! (laughs) And then lastly was John Cena beating Sabu by disqualification in an Extreme Rules match. (laughs) (laughs) I just love the fact that Sabu and John Cena had a match together. (laughs) Let me run through this WWE versus ECW Battle Royale. You had Mark Henry, Matt Hardy, Nuncio, Tatanka, Carlito... Tony Mameluke, <laughs> Tommy Dreamer, Terry Funk, Just Incredible, Al Snow, <laughs> Steve okay. Richards, Balls Mahoney, Bobby Lashley, The Sandman, <laughs> Sheldon Benjamin, Finley, Edge, Kurt Angle, and Randy Orton. <laughs> With the winner being The Big Show. Well, okay. <laughs> Oh, it's such a weird time. Such a weird time. Yep. Jazz would make a couple of house show appearances for ECW in 2006, uh, pairing up with Trinity in both occasions. But shortly afterwards, she would be, again, quietly released from her contract in January of 2007. After that, she would make and ply her trade within the American independent scene. Her most notable appearances though would come late in would come in the 2010s first in shine wrestling she would take place she would take part in the inaugural event shine one in july 2012 where she was awarded the legacy award um from a i think it was a women's wrestling website i can't remember the exact name of the site of, of it though yeah she was though eventually interrupted then at that time by mercedes martinez and at the event she would end up in a really solid match against sarah del rey um if anyone yeah. doesn't know those sarah who, del rey who, yeah sorry the, just quickly those who don't realize mercedes martinez has been around for ages ages people don't realize that fact <laughs> Also, Sarah Del Rey is, if memory serves me correct, is still the head female trainer at the WWE Performance Center. Uh, yes, I believe so. And if memory serves me correct, she is actually the significant other of one Claudio Castagnoli, if memory serves me correct. I believe so. Sarah Del Rey, by the way, no one's actually heard or actually, you know, gone out of their way to, to watch her. Go, go watch her. She's really, really good. She's really red, and she's popped up in some weird, weird places. Like she ended up popping up in Wrestling Society X of all places. Yeah, we look right. WSX is based. <laughs> I'm sorry. Jazz would become a stable name in Shine Wrestling at the beginning of its time. Um, eventually, being in the main events of Shine Two in a match against Mercedes Martinez, defeating Rain in Shine Three. And would then, t- and then would then go up against Shimmer Champion Soraya Knight. Of course, be the mother of Paige. Now, all I'll say it is the Bevis family is an in- is an entire in- entire thing that we could probably talk about in a future episode. But you wouldn't believe all I, they all, are. All I want is 
All, all I want is for Paige to call is to call her Auntie Jazz. That's all I want. Yes. That's all I want. The Bevis family is the carniest family, I think, in all of British wrestling. And that's putting it nicely. <laughs> that is, in fact, a possibility. <laughs> I don't know. It just, it just feels it just feels weird because, again, like when I think about things in context, this is like some weird middle point where like all the all the talent that became prominent later. Yes. That I now know were like in their very early stages. Mm-hmm. And then there's also like Jazz and Sarah Del Rey and all of that, like also around at this same time. It's weird. It's weird. Unfortunately though, in that title in that title match, Jazz would suffer her first loss at Shine after interference from Mercedes Martinez and Rain. On the next Shine show, Jazz would team up with Awesome Kong, where they would defeat Mercedes Martinez and Rain in the main event. <laughs> now, let Good me God. just say, what a team that is. That's, that's, a, that's a monstrous team. <laughs> And Brandy Rhodes fought a team up with Awesome Kong was good. Nah, it was already goated no. by the time Jazz was teaming with Awesome Kong. Nah, Jazz and Awesome Kong is just straight up excellence right there. <laughs> I'm ma- I'm almost mad that team didn't survive longer. <laughs> like on a like on a real one though, I think that could be a great heel tag team. Mm. Oh, that would be ridiculous. Yeah. Unfortunately, Jazz never did ever capture the Shine Championship. She was on her way to cap uh, on her way to um, capture it in a Shine Championship tournament where she defeated Eva Lise in the first round. However, she never entered it. It's debated as to why, but the reasons have never been made public as to why uh, that happened. But it would mark her last appearance in Shine up until 2014, where she would end up actually once again facing Eva Lee and to challenge for the title, but it was an unsuccessful attempt. After Shine, she would end up making a couple of appearances for Chikara, where she entered the 2016 King of Trios tournament as team of uh, as the favorite pieces of trivia. As part of Team Original Divas alongside Victoria and Mickey James. They would defeat Team Shimmer, the team of Candice LeRae, Crazy Mary Dobson, and Solo Darling in their first round match. But unfortunately, Wait, how, how weird does it know feel to know that Victoria, Mickey, James, and Jazz had a match with uh, Candice Lurie and now Sarah Logan? Yes, Sarah Rowe. Oh, it Logan. feels yeah. wrong. It Crazy. Feels so wrong. <laughs> they would eventually be knocked out the next day by uh, by the the team known as the Warriors Free, which was Oleg the Usurper, Princess Kimberly, and Thunderfrog. I je- I love Chikara for just uh, willing to be absolutely batshit. They I I love the fact that they fully embraced being comic book in nature. Um, the people that ran the show, I have less than uh, favorable yeah, things to say about very, them. That's a very different statement. <laughs> this brings on to probably one of Jazz's best accomplishments in her time in professional wrestling, and something I feel goes criminally overlooked by a lot more of a, of, a, of a more casual audience her reign as nwa world women's champion she would make her debut in 2016 for the national wrestling alliance 
and would quickly capture the Women's World Championship from Amber Gallows at NXT Tacoma. Yes, if you want to know, Amber Gallows, if memory serves me correct, was the former wife of Doc Gallows. <laughs> yes, ah, yes, she was the former wife of Doc Gallows. Oh, wait, was she the one that used to go around with... Um... She's the one that used to go around with Bullock Club. Yes, yes, she was. <laughs> <laughs> ah, okay. This, this would begin a a near three-year run with the championship. Such notable matches that Jazz had during her time was one uh, was in one of them was in 2018 at the NWA 70th anniversary show, one of the NWA's first pay-per-view, um, first pay-per-views in decades. Jazz would successfully defend that championship against Penelope Ford. And she would end up having matches with such uh, modern greats as we know, such as Ali, or no, who's now known as the Bunny in AEW, Thunder yeah. Rosa, Alison Kay. Jordan Grace, to name just a few. Jazz then was booked to defend her championship at the Crockett Cup in 2019 against Alison Kay, but Jazz had vacated the title to, uh, I think, a few days prior to that yeah. due to medical and personal reasons, thus ending a record 948-day reign with the World Women's Championship. The third Absolute longest in company insanity. history. Wow, man. Craziness. I mean, honestly, I went back to watch a few of these matches. Jazz was on amazing form. Honest to goodness. She was having really good matches left, right, and center. And at this time, I feel like, I mean, you'd think she would, you know, at that time would probably be, you know, a a little older, would be slowing down. No, she wasn't slowing down a single bit. It's crazy how, like, how she was re- still going with this. Like, she ended up... It, it's, the, it's the thing of, though, like... <clears throat> some people genuinely just get better as they get older. Yes. And, like, it's actually it's actually unreal. And at this time, she was still regularly teaming with Rodney Mack as well in subsequent, like, intergender tag team matches as well. During this time. Now... 2019, she would make a, a little appearance for a brand new startup wrestling company by the name of All Elite Wrestling. You may have heard of them. They are pretty niche in Florida. Yeah, yeah. They, she would end up participating in the Casino Battle Royale taking place in their first event known as All Out. She wasn't successful, though, unfortunately, being eliminated by ODB of all people. <laughs> to give you perspective you know. of who was in this match... If memory serves me correct, there was Awesome Kong, uh, Big Swell, Brandy Rhodes, uh, Nyla Rose, uh, Britt Baker, Eva Lise, um, Mercedes Martinez, Penelope Ford. I think Priscilla Kelly or Gigi Dolan was also in this uh, match. Teal Piper, Roddy Piper's daughter as well, was in this match, if memory serves me correct as well. Was she? Yep, because they made a big deal out of Teal Piper being in that match, uh, being Roddy's daughter. After that, though, Jazz would make uh, appearances here and there in 2019 and 2020. Jazz would end up making appearances for the first time at Pro Wrestling Eve. Shout out to that awesome company. 
Mm-hmm. She, she would end up having a couple of matches against Mesa Ruga as well, which is awesome in Pro Wrestling Eve. She would end up then eventually in 2021 making appearances for Impact Wrestling, being the surprise uh, tag team partner for Jordan Grace. And actually, which again, ended... what a team. What a team, indeed. <clears throat> Jazz would end up having some really good matches at this time. Having a really good match against Jordan Grace, um, mm-hmm. having a, a t- uh, having a tag team match te- teaming with Jordan to take on um, Diana Perazzo, uh, Kimberly, and Susan. They would actually Jazz and Jazz and Jordan would end up teaming with ODB in that three ma- in that uh, six man uh, a six woman tag. Yeah, she would end up trying again to go up, go for the uh, Knockouts tag titles in a losing effort to fire and flavor the team of Kira Hogan and Tasha Steeles. And eventually, Jazz would end up having a title versus career match uh, in in, uh, April of 2021 at Hardcore Justice, if memory serves me correct. Uh, Deonna Perrazzo in a winning effort against Jazz in a really, really good match, may I guess. Oh hell yeah! It's a, it's it's really good. I was gonna say the the tag tournament match between Grace and Jazz versus Fire and Flavor, pretty damn good match. Really, really good match, and this would signify um, one of Jazz's last mainstream appearances in wrestling, and her last match would be in IWC um in a in a tag team well in a six-man tag team effort where she did win that match and that is at at this moment the last recorded match uh, of jazz's career she would end up retiring late in 2021 there's one little match i actually do want to bring up as well it is it was during mania week for gcw at ali cat's real hot girl shit where she took part in Faye Jackson's Grey Sweatpants Battle Royale. Based. Wow, okay, that's new. Now, to, 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 to why I brought this up is because the the caliber, the, like, the, the wide spectrum of competitors that were in the Battle Royale. So not only did we have Jazz, we had JTG, who would go on to win the Battle Royale. We also had, okay. uh, I'm not going to name everyone, but we also had Daniel Garcia... Oh, I remember that clip. <laughs> Keith Mack, Lee Moriarty, Shug D, and Ricky Shane Page of all people. No, Ricky Shane Page is down for it though. He's, that is true. <clears throat> that is very true. But that I just I just find that one a little bit funny because of just how you know what? I love Mania Week because it has some ridiculous stuff that can also be quite funny and quite That's good. What we like though. <laughs> and so in that concludes the career of jazz um as a matter of fact she still is in the wrestling business she runs a wrestling school with rodney mack known as the dog pound which honestly i think is a pretty cool name <laughs> she also owns a fitness gym which is her way of being able to keep youth off the streets give them a positive mindset and be able to have them you know achieve goals and you know strive to become a much stronger person both physically and mentally you know what awesome can't like you know can't fault jazz for that because that's awesome to hear that she lives currently in louisiana in lafayette with rodney mack they have twin girls as well they were born in 2008 and uh 
Jazz, for all intents and purposes, seems to be in a really happy, positive space, which, you know what, is awesome to hear. Because there's not a lot of there's not a lot of wrestlers that actually have that luxury to you know retire happy, you know retire still you know being able to you know have a really nice life and still you know being able to do all of these things outside of professional wrestling. It's just nice to hear that Jazz, after all that was said and done, you know has a nice has a nice quiet life. Mm-hmm. So with all that being said, for me. I guess my my ending of this is that, again, I severely kind of smack myself for not appreciating Jazz while, you know, while, you know, into like her peak time in WWE in 2003 and 2004. Because she genuinely, honestly, I think is one of one of the most underrated female talents in the in, in America that that's for on the world, actually, for that matter. I mean, it says a lot when you have a nine hundred and near nine hundred and fifty day reign as NWA Women's Champion. It really is just a singular talent that never got her dues. But I mean, she never got her dues in the mainstream. Everywhere else, because she's one of those she's one of those wrestlers that now people go back on and like, yo, this is this is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> But like at the time, you know, wasn't as appreciated. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but then, like, obviously, it's really good that people then now going back and then being like, "Oh my god, there's some incredible stuff here." And I'm glad that, you know, over the last like two years, she had that opportunity to like re-enter that point mm. <clears throat> and just really show everyone about like what she was about and why so many people out there do like her and also what she has to contribute to the wrestling business absolutely i think there's i mean there's always so much that can be learned there's always so much that can be gained from a talent like her Mm. um and like as well the work that she's done in talking about just like the kind of the politics of race and wrestling as well Mm mm-hmm it's something that isn't talked about as much, obviously, because a lot of it has come down to like legal decisions and stuff like that. But she's been very vocal about it. Yeah. Um, and has done quite a lot in the promotion of young black female talent in wrestling. Mm. It, I feel if it weren't for her really paving, paving the way or being able to strike out as good as she did in WWE, I don't think a lot more... I don't think a lot... Like, Sasha Banks, Naomi, Alicia Fox. I don't think I I I I will say Alicia Fox as well. I don't think they would have been given as much of a chance to try and be women's champion or divas champion at that time if you want to count Alicia Fox if it weren't for Jazz. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's just one of those she really is one of those talents that you know, you can you can look at to a certain moment in time and just be like this was a you know i do think she's very pivotal to the, the conversation of women's wrestling in the u.s mm. without um, question in terms of the development the change the shift in perspective um and i i you know as i say to everyone you know when you're talking about that kind of that class of that 
time that 2000 to 2003 you need to include the name in it yeah we talk about our mickey james's we talk about our trish stratuses our michelle mccall's let's not forget jazz let's not forget jacqueline mm-hmm. you know like let's let's pay attention to everything that's going back there and like like you said like there's that it you know even though some of it's a little bit hard to find some of her ecw stuff is actually unironically great yeah like some of the matches um, she had with like the, like jason knight steve carino were actually quite good really you know good. like there's some there's some great stuff out there um you know <laughs> it's about trying to it it is kind of a part of it is about like changing that perspective and changing that view on how people see the change in women's wrestling, but also black women in wrestling. Mm. And I think jazz is jazz is a very pivotal point in that conversation. Exactly. Exactly. Could not put it better myself. Well, fellas, that is going to wrap up this episode. Re- again, uh, with these ones, I always really enjoy going into retrospectives because when I do, you know, when, when I do research more about them, I come up with little fun little nuggets of and, and facts I never knew about them. And again, this was the same f- for Jazz especially. Um, really, really enjoyed this one. For the next episode, we mentioned him, briefly mentioned him, but it is time to talk about your player and possibly, in my opinion, one of the greatest general managers WWE ever had. Oh, boy, but yeah, boy, we're talking about Teddy Long. I'm so excited. I am so, so excited. The thing about this is, though, these episodes technically link. They absolutely, yeah, yeah it's funny because, that they absolutely do. Because, as per the lion in his theme, he is, in fact, Mr. Mac Milton. <laughs> Coming to get it all. Rodney Mac. Mac. Oh god! Oh no! All right, but no, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. So Let's we're going to be talking about his time as a manager coming up as well uh, in Jim Crockett Promotions and the NWA with, and eventually to WCW, eventually landing as a re- uh, referee in the WWF, and eventually his run as WWE general manager. I'm not going to go full into the career of it because there's so much to talk about, but I feel we're going to go through the best moments of Teddy Long and his entire career. Yeah. I'm just hoping with this episode he can unblock me from Twitter. <laughs> I don't know what what we managed to do. I don't know what I did. <laughs> Although it will give me an ex- it will give me an excuse to talk about that one story, but I'll save that for the next episode. <laughs> awesome. No. Until then, this has been Sam, this has been Dan and Reardon, and you have been listening to the Sweet Chinwag Podcast. We will see you, as always, on the next one. Take care, everybody. Bye! Bye! Bye.